This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, I want your gut feeling on this one. Are they playing No, this? you're not getting anything in your stocking for Christmas. Not even coal. Have you seen what coal costs these days? Coal costs a lot these days. They're going to start using substitute coal, <laughs> fake coal, and kids' stockings that have been naughty. No, my gut feeling question was, is this game being played on Sunday? This COVID numbers for the Chiefs keep creeping up and up and up and up. It's making me a little nervous here. Oh, I, I've, I've been beyond nervous. When, when Roger, who said he's not postponing any games for competitive reasons. <laughs> Remember before that? The, before the season started and then uh, postponed the game uh, to essentially help the Browns. Um, I thought, you know, well, Pandora's box is open again. Absolutely. And here we go. So, yeah, I have absolutely no faith that um, – but the Steelers will not end up getting screwed at least once this season with this kind of stuff uh, as it happened at least a couple of times last year. And um, so a lot of good that did the Browns too, by the way, delay in that game. They could have lost 16 to 14 on Saturday night, just as much, just as (laughs) well as they did on Monday. (laughs) And then they would have a nice long week this week to get ready for the, who they play this week. Um, The Packers. Packers. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's in Lambeau too. So yeah, Good luck with all that, Cleveland. I think we've got our best batch of questions here for Asked and Answered, although I would say that even if they were terrible. Let's get started right away with Luke Campbell. Sometimes the terrible ones are the best ones. (laughs) Luke Campbell from Carlisle, PA, asks, Barring unforeseen injury or a recurrence of one of his previous ailments on the season, how strong of a case do you feel T.J. Watt has to bring home the Defensive Player of the Year award that has eluded him for the past two seasons? Let's say he finishes with around 20 sacks or even breaks Michael Strahan's record of 22 and a half sacks. Do you think it'll be enough for him to win it, even though the team may not make the postseason? Also, is a postseason berth a make or break for his case? Um, No, a postseason berth is not make or break um, for this award, I don't believe. Uh, And, you know, there is not a a statistical benchmark where if you uh, achieve this level or exceed it, then you're automatically the winner of the Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, again, like so many of these awards, it's a vote. Okay, and my long-held belief about votes: first of all, by definition, it is a popularity contest. Absolutely, because whoever has the most votes wins. And the other thing about votes is that I believe elections tell you more about the voters than the candidates. So. You know, in this particular instance, I would think that T.J. Watt has a decent chance because the voters may be tired of voting for Aaron Donald every year. He's won three of the last four, I think it is. And and for him this year, it's a bit more pedestrian. It's He still has double-digit sacks, but... Well, yeah, and it's I, th- I just think people get tired of voting for the same, same guy, guy unless yeah. he continues to um, go to the next level. And, you know... You get to a certain point. I mean, that's it. What more could Donald do? What more <laughs> right. could Donald do? So, um, you know, I think he's got a good chance. I thought last year he had a good chance, too. And the year before. I, yeah, I, um, but I do believe that um, one of these years is going to be his year. He has been uh, knocking on the door too too often, too long. Um, what would help him, though, is in one of these last three games that the Steelers have, you know, do something, change the game, do something like he did uh, on the last play of the Ravens game in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. Do something like be, he did in overtime against Seattle earlier yes, this year. Be the difference yeah. 
in a win or a loss, and that, that, in my opinion, would put him over the top. Absolutely. I also think if he breaks Strahan's record, which is doable right now, how how do you say you're not the best defensive player of the year when you broke a sack record I, like that? I, again, if there was if there was an empirical standard where if you do this, then you, you get, get that, but there isn't. Leaving it in the hands of voters. Yep. Always a dangerous game. Tom Napower from Cleveland Heights, Ohio, asks, did Bill Cowher ever win the Coach of the Year Award? Okay, in 1992, uh, Bill Cowher's inaugural season with the Steelers, he won two versions of the NFL Coach of the Year Award, uh, one from the Associated Press, which is largely the one that is uh, recognized uh, as the award to win, as is the Associated Press uh, NFL MVP award, as an example, the Associated Press Defensive Player of the Year award. These are all. These are the votes that matter the most. Yes, the Associated <laughs> Press version of the award uh, is the one that the Associated Press All Pro team is another one. If you have an incentive in your contract in the NFL for making, for being an All Pro, for winning Defensive Player of the Year, for any of those kinds of awards, individual awards, the one that is recognized as the one that. Uh, rings up the cash register for you, is the Associated Press uh, version. Okay, so anyway, uh, 92 Cower won two versions. He won the Associated Press Award version and the Sporting News version of the award. And then in 2004, when the Steelers finished 15-1, and one, uh, after having a losing season in 03, uh, he won the Sporting News version of the award for a second time. How many times, just curious, did Chuck Knoll win the Coach of the Year Award? Um, Chuck Knoll won uh, a Coach of the Year award one time. There are many versions of this. One time. One time. And he won it from the Maxwell Club, too. So, you know, the the major um, versions of the award, Associated Press, Sporting News, UPI, but then that one ended when UPI went belly up. Uh, Pro Football Weekly, uh, that one went belly up when that publication uh, went went in the, in the into the dumper. So... You know, uh, and they don't. I don't believe they give the Maxwell Club Award anymore. So that was one of those kind of fly-by-night things that lasted for a few years and then didn't anymore. Um, but yeah, and it was in 1989. Right, like he wasn't doing any good coaching in the 70s, apparently. Apparently not. <laughs> no, he had he had all those really great teams, but just because he was. Uh, intimately involved in the drafting of all those Hall of Fame players, I guess that didn't count. Didn't count. Nope. It's coaching labs. It's not GMing or drafting. Steve Madden from Eldersburg, Maryland. One of your responses in the December 14th Aston answered was regarding punting and the fact the NFL and colleges use different balls. What is the difference between a K-ball and the one used in college football? And further, why would college football not use the same ball since it is essentially a training ground for the NFL? Um, okay, let's start with this. Um, you know, Steve, you may perceive college football as a training ground for the NFL, but I can guarantee you, that they do not see themselves that way and actually, I believe, try in as many ways, both subtle and obvious, to separate themselves from being viewed as a training uh, ground for the NFL. Okay, let's get on to the footballs now. Actually, all the footballs uh, are different, college footballs and ones used in the NFL. Uh, college footballs can be up to one and a quarter inches smaller than NFL footballs. The circumference uh, when I say smaller, uh, of the college ball ranges from 20 and three-quarter inches to 21 and a quarter inches lengthwise from end to end. Uh, NFL footballs are 21 inches to 21 and a quarter inches. 
So they're much more uniform uh, than the, the college balls. Um, college balls have stripes. The NFL, NFL balls do not. So in 1999, the NFL switched to what they now call K-balls because what was happening was kickers and punters around the league were doing nefarious things to the footballs in order to make them softer. Wow. Uh, and, you know, in college, there's no, there are no such regulations. So um, a ball that a punter in college is using to kick 65 yards is softer. It's more well-worn. Uh, and when you're playing at your home, you know, when, when a team is playing in Tuscaloosa, as an example, uh, I would imagine the Alabama punter or place kicker uh, is getting more favorable balls to use <laughs> than the Auburn punter or place kicker, yes. uh, as an example. <laughs> Fair assumption. But anyway, some of the things that uh, NFL kickers used to do uh, to footballs, uh, Michael Houston. Uh, nine seasons, place kicker, Buccaneers, Raiders, Redskins, Chiefs, Washington football team, excuse me. Um, he'd go into the equipment room every Monday, break in the noses of 36 balls by slamming them <laughs> on the end of a table. Uh, Houston would then inflate the balls as high as 30 PSI because the standard for an NFL football is between 12.5 and 13.5 PSI. Oh, my word. Then he'd put them in the sauna for a couple of days. Then he'd let the air out and put them in the sun. Uh, and what it does is it softens the leather. You expand it, you heat it, um, and it, it becomes softer. Reggie Roby, three-time Pro Bowl punter, hits sit and rub footballs with a piece of AstroTurf, break them in. Uh, another place kicker, former Giants kicker, Mike Hollis, he'd overinflate the balls and then rub them down with a wet towel. Then he'd take a heavyweight weight plate, you know, um, put it on top of the football, and then stand on it and roll it around. Again, softening <laughs> <Crazy>. them up. <laughs> Other kickers have not been known to soak balls in evaporated milk or lemon juice. Some of them microwave them, bake them in the oven. You know what else was a popular <laughs> uh, technique, uh, my understanding was, um, based on the uh, days at Three River Stadium, Gary Anderson. You know, the big dryers that they have in the equipment room, yeah. industrial side dryers. Put a few balls in there, let them run in the dryer for a few hours. Rough them up a bit. Rough yeah. them up a bit, heat them up, you know, break down the leather a little bit, uh, make them easier to kick. So um, in 1999, the NFL decided to go to K-balls. Now, K-balls are shipped directly to the referee for each game. And they are not to be at that box of them. I think there's 12. They're not to be opened until... Uh, 90 minutes before the game, and they're opened in the referee's locker room with NFL people there. So those are the balls. They come right from the manufacturer to uh, Wilson, the NFL's case. Wilson manufactures the balls right to the referee on site, say at Heinz Field. So last Sunday's game against the Titans, whoever the referee was, I can't remember his name, uh, he got a shipment of 12 K-balls that he opened in the locker in the referee's locker room 90 minutes before kickoff, and those are the ones that are used for all punting and kicking, and they're not used for anything else. So when they move the balls in and out, you'll see the, the guys, uh, women, whatever, they, uh, who are in charge of the footballs on the sideline, on their, uh, like those vests that they wear that like the construction workers work on, uh, use on the sideline side of roads, right. side of roads to be seen, you'll see a K on it. 
So those are the guys, or those are the people who handle the K-balls. The K-balls. And so um, that's why, uh, that's how that works now. And, oh, excuse me, I just saw, what, based on my previous research, Rule 2, Section 2 of the NFL Rulebook, six new footballs, not 12, are, are the ones that are shipped to the referee of each game, uh, and they're opened in the official's locker room exactly two hours and 15 minutes, not 90 minutes, prior to kickoff. And then the K-balls are all specifically marked by the referee and only used in kicking situations. So when people say, boy, he punted, he averaged 60 yards of punt in college, and now he's, well, the balls are different. And so they're harder to directionally kick. They're harder to drive. Um, you know, it's, it's, the league makes it more difficult for the professionals. I had no idea this long history of kickers and punters manipulating footballs. Oh, you, th- you know, the flake gate. I mean, that I was, was just going to say maybe was, Tom Brady was destined to be a kicker this whole time. I mean, that that's that was child's play. Child's play compared, compared to, to evaporated milk and lemon juice and running it through the I mean, dryer. Do, and, and my question is, how do you figure out? Oh, evaporated evapora- milk. And lemon juice. Yeah, that's what we'll use. Okay. <laughs> Casey McDonald from Montgomery, Alabama. Terrell Edmonds seems to get a lot of flack for not making splash plays, but he seems like a solid player to me. Would you pick up his fifth-year option? Well, that uh, ship has sailed, Casey. Um, the Steelers had to do that, I think it was by last May, May 2021, somewhere around there, and they declined to do that. So this is Terrell Edmonds' uh, final year on his rookie contract. Uh, unless the Steelers would franchi- use the franchise tag on him, he will hit the open mo- or sign him to a contract right. extension before free agency starts in March 2022. He will be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, just a couple of things about the fifth-year option. Once a team exercises that, uh, it becomes fully guaranteed. So uh, in Terrell Edmonds' case, where he was drafted and what position he plays, um, his fifth-year option would have been $6.753 million for 2022. So... Um, why they didn't do it, they've never said specifically. But if you're asking me to guess, I would say uh, Terrell Edmonds' lack of splash plays. He started 57 NFL games to where we are right now. In his career, he has four interceptions, 18 passes defense, three sacks, no forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, 12 tackles for loss. So I'm, I'm guessing that the Steelers would like some of those numbers to be higher than those. Especially the um, passes defended, I bet. And, uh, you know, yeah, getting your hands on the ball more often. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to turn turn it over every time, but at least affect the play. But I will say this. I thought Edmonds played one of his best games of his career Sunday against the Titans. I think you could say the same for Devin Bush, too, who has been another whipping boy for I won't Steelers say fans. one of the best games of his career. Definitely his best game of this season, um, which is kind of a low bar, but... At least he cleared it. Yes, at least he cleared it. (laughs) Adam Staddy from Naples, Florida. Teams consider many different factors when deciding who to draft. In that process, how much weight is given to field familiarity? In the the minds of the Steelers' coaches, would someone like Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett, who has already played many games at Heinz Field, have a leg up on another quarterback with a similar skill set? You know Heinz Field is different dimensions than all the other fields, right? Yeah, right. I, I remember someone telling me one time, uh, when we were watching a high school game, it was someone who obviously knew nothing about football saying, gee, imagine how good the Steelers would be if they got to play on this field. Could you imagine if they were playing on Mount Lebanon Stadium's yeah. field? Well, oh, man. Oh. Um, 
But no, um, I cannot imagine anything carrying less weight in the draft <laughs> process than field familiarity. I mean, so Adam should get some credit then for exposing the thing that carries the least amount of weight. <laughs> well, in evaluation. all I'm saying is I can't imagine. I'm sure there's <laughs> out there a question waiting to be sent in that would uh, beat Adam's uh, low bar here. Um, you know, I, I just don't understand how that would be an advantage. I mean, this isn't polo so grounds. Uh, well, Kenny Pickett would know which way to turn coming out of the locker room to walk out. Exactly. Which tunnel to go out. I mean, and when you look at Heinz Field, too, let's not forget, it's grass. But they resawed it a couple of times a year. So it's not even the same grass in September that it is, you know, in December. So, um, no. The answer is no. The uh, wind pattern that comes into the stadium at Heinz Field, Pickett's been throwing in that for five, six years now, so that he'll have an advantage over everybody else. He knows exactly how the, the gale force winds swoop in and how to manipulate them in his favor. So I, I think it's a big deal. We'll draft him for your team. Then. I mean, based on field <laughs> familiarity as opposed to, you know, whether he has the skill set to be an actual NFL quarterback. Jack L. Kincaid Jr. from Massillon, Ohio. My thinking is this could be one of the most important off-seasons in recent memory with so many issues to address. I know Ben Roethlisberger has stated he wants his entire career to be in Pittsburgh, but what percentage do you give that Ben is back next year with the Steelers, or what percent chance Ben is back with another team? Um, I'm not an odds maker, so I won't do percentages, but I will say I cannot imagine a realistic scenario where Ben Roethlisberger is playing for an NFL team other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and I really believe, uh, even though he has not confided in me, certainly, uh, I believe this is his last year. I think he's going to retire. I think it's um, more about his body Ugh. and, you know, where it is and how much abuse uh, he wants to take and maybe his family wants him to take and um, maybe he feels he's uh, made enough money and accomplished enough in this league, two Super Bowls, He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's ranked, you know, among the all-time statistical yeah, leaders. And just, just passed Rivers for fifth most right. passing yards. Um, and, you know, he's got uh, fairly young children that he can now spend his time with them. Um, and so I just think that too many things are aligned that 2021 is Ben's last season for it to be turn out to be anything else. If he needed any reassurance that it should be his last year, that Vikings and Titans beating that he took might be the thing that pushes him over the finish line. Yeah, it might be time to hang him up after this. He's been getting the crap kicked out of him the past couple of weeks. Chris Welburn from Glastonbury, Connecticut. Is it beyond hope and or possibility pertaining to NFL rules that Stefan to returns to save our run defense at this point? Well, I'm going to stick with the, uh, I cannot imagine a realistic scenario uh, theme. And I'm going to go with that. I mean, we're talking about a guy, Stephon Tewitt, who has not played a snap of even practice football since 2020. Um, so, you know, when you when you bring someone off the injured reserve list, which he's still on the injured reserve right. list, have a 21-day window to practice uh, to get on the active roster. You know, we're down to three games now. So that's pretty much 21 days. Um I, again, I, I just don't see how he can go from the level of inactivity in terms of actually playing or practicing football to being ready to get into a game, to be ready to be on the field, to be able to play to a level once he's yeah. on the field where he's going to help the Steelers run defense. 
Uh, I don't know anything about Stephon Tuitt, whether he will uh, play anymore this year, play anymore in his career. I don't know anything about Stephon Tuitt for sure except for this. He's on IR right now. That's what I know. So, um, but again, I, I just, um, I'm telling you what I think. I, I, I don't think we're going to see him anymore in 2021. And finally, Todd Walker from Port, Port St. Lucie, Florida asks, I always thought Steelers Nation generally was an intelligent fan base that knew football. I do not think that anymore. Is it not common sense that Devin Bush's knee injury was serious and he won't be 100% until probably 2022? Is it not common sense when you lose two great run stoppers in Steph Tuitt and Tyson Alu-Alu that your run defense will be worse? And finally, isn't it common sense you can't have play action without a running game? And of course, this is all Mike Tomlin's fault. Okay, Todd, you're you're skating on really thin ice here. I, I gotta I gotta tell you. I mean, um, I believe that I read it on the internet somewhere. And if it's on the internet, it's true. You have to know it's true. Uh, injecting common sense into these kinds of arguments is against the rules. That's so, why you do this podcast with me. What, yes. No common sense between the two of us. <laughs> that's going to do it. None for, needed. <laughs> that's going to do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. For Bob Labriola, I am Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you guys again next week.